0: Thank you, Baratim, for that um, scripture reading. And it's indeed from the book of Isaiah. I know in, in the uh, newsletter and in the screen it says, Job, because my mind was in two different uh, books uh, as I was telling my wife uh, what's the scripture reading, or putting down what's the scripture reading uh, over there. Um, today is, is the uh, second lesson of uh, the series of four lessons on the reasons as to why do I believe there is a God. And um, today we're dealing with the uh, subject matter of uh, design Demands a uh, designer, right? Design demands a designer. Now you know in the world uh, that we live today, most people would ask the question, right? Is it really rational to believe in God? Is it really a rational thing in this day and age, in this day of modern technology and human progress? Is it still rational to believe that there is a God out there? Some even might ask even further to say, um, you know, is your faith a um, a blind faith, meaning that you follow just for the sake of following and not really knowing what you're actually um, you know, following or what it is actually that you are actually doing. You know, millions around the world um, you know, believe, unfortunately, that there is no God um, in this uh, world that we live here today. Many believe also that science and uh, religion cannot coexist with one another. You know, Contrary to um, most common assumptions that people have about uh, Christianity, that people have about God, and that people have about the Bible in general, you know, the Bible does not advocate um, things like blind faith because God himself in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21 says, test all things, hold fast what is good. In the King James Version, it says, prove all things, all Right. So the question now becomes, you know, can we, you know, prove that, you know, God exists? You know, if he does exist, what evidence do we have for our belief? What evidence do we have that we can, you know, share with people of our faith that we have here today in the scriptures that points us to the direction that there is a God in this world that we live here today. And one of these evidence that we can see um, is the idea of uh, design demands a designer, or design demands an intelligent um, designer, if you would. You know, the world at large would have us believe that, you know, we happen to be here today just because we uh, happen to be here today by chance. Mere chance, you know, billions of years ago, Um, Somehow or other, something sparked, something happened, big explosion, you know, so on and so forth. And next thing you know, we are here today. That is what, you know, the world at large uh, would have us believe. That our existence in this world today is something that happens because of chance. That's something that happens because uh, of a pure fact of a probability. Now let us have a simple thought process to see how you know, uh, how um, weird that idea is, or the fallacy of that particular idea that we, we so happen to exist in this world today just by chance. You know, suppose you're walking, you know, in the bush, you know, bush walking um, somewhere, and then you look down, and then you saw an iPhone somewhere, you know, on the bush itself, uh, on the tree trunk, on the floor, and you pick it up, you turn it on, oh, cool, all right? it flashes at you, you can, um, you know, make a phone call, take a video, do your TikTok stuff, you know, for younger people today. I'm not that young, but anyways, you know, TikTok stuff. Or, you know, you you realise they can take pictures and it's a really wonderful um, device. Now, would you ever think that that iPhone so happened to be there because of millions and millions of years of dust and debris and, um, you know, things being blown together and suddenly materials all fusing together and then next thing you know, you got an iPhone on the floor. None of us in our right mind, would think that way, correct? Is it not? You know, you understand that whenever you see a design, you understand whenever you see, um, you know, something, there must be, you know, someone who actually designed that product or someone that, or an intelligent designer that, you know, designed um, such a thing. You know, iPhones uh, don't accidentally come from chemicals. It's not by mere chance that the iPhone existed because of millions and millions of years of natural processes, if you would. You know, only a smart person or a smart team or a smart company would be able to, you know, design and build such a wonderful uh, device for the world to enjoy. And uh, as many of you, you know, have on your, on your palm of your hands um, today, right? So when we look at the natural world at large, right, we find that it's filled with design. We find that things don't happen just because it happens. Things don't exist just because of pure chance or mere chance that is, exists um, that way. We see that you know, from ourselves, our body in and of itself, our life here on earth, the things that is being in, uh, you know, surrounded by um, even this building itself, it does not happen just because of mere chance. Right? Someone had to design it, someone had to build it, someone had to put it there. Both you know, things that human beings create and things that you know, we see around the world that we live in here um, today. So let us, you know, examine a simple basic fact, right? What can nature tell us about the designer? What can nature tell us about, you know, an intelligent designer, if you would? In life here on Earth, there's one thing uh, that we do, uh, physically speaking, that comes very naturally to us, right? And that is uh, breathing, right? Um, we, we are so natural that, um, you know, sometimes we don't even you know, know or think that we're actually breathing, right? It's such a natural process that comes to us. And we know that, you know, um, the uh, living creatures in the world that we live in here today are the only ones that actually breathe um, air. Why? Because, you know, there's no other living things but from what we see here on Earth, right? No matter how many astronomers are around there who look at the stars 24-7, you know, this is the only place. At least for now, that's what they think, that, um, you know, we do this thing called breathing, Right? And um, it is not just breathing in the air, but rather the oxygen in the atmosphere that you know, sustains life, that um, you know, sustains part of life, if you would, uh, in this particular process. So the question becomes, how then does the world regulate the oxygen supply? Because in you know, your primary school um, science textbook, it tells you that the atmosphere is composed of 21% oxygen. So if too much oxygen in the atmosphere will burn to death, too little oxygen in the atmosphere will choke to death. So it has to be, you know roughly around that 21% mark. But then the question then becomes, how then does the world uh, make sure that there's enough oxygen, not too much, not too little, that everyone will be happy in that particular equilibrium, if you would? So in other words, how does the world regulate uh, oxygen supply? Science textbooks, you know, in the past would tell us that, oh, you know, uh, it's because uh, of the process of photosynthesis, right? Trees, they... um, they take the sunlight and they do a process called photosynthesis, take carbon dioxide, change it into oxygen and yay, we can you know, breathe and so on and so forth. And it's only you know, in a couple of decades ago that um, you know, researchers actually uh, sort of like linked together pieces of puzzle. The natural fact, the ecosystem of the world is so amazing that the picture of trees giving us oxygen is part is but from one part or small part of the whole ecosystem at large. So, how does the world regulate ox- uh, the supply of oxygen that is enough for everyone? It begins in the uh, deserts of uh, salt in Danakil, East Africa. It is not the salt trade that um, you know, people are after, but rather the dust storms that, um, you know, that come in that particular region. And it blows over the uh, continent of Africa, past the um, Atlantic Ocean, all the way to the coast of uh, South America, that is the Amazon rainforest of which you know, Tim and Debbie might be visiting very soon. All right. And, um, you know, lo and behold, every year about, you know, uh, roughly, according to researchers, about 27 million tonnes of dust from Africa that was being blown across the ocean drops from the sky to the Amazon basin. And it turns out to be a very good uh, fertiliser for the plants, and it helps the plants grow uh, in the Amazon. And the plants uh, grow eventually into trees, which then turns carbon dioxide uh, into oxygen. Now, it is said that one tree produces enough oxygen for two people. The Amazon forest is, is uh, two times the size of the state of WA and equates to producing 20 times more oxygen than all the people on the earth can consume, right? So people, that means not, not including all the living things that, um, you know, that happen to need to use oxygen as well in this world. Uh, so that's the amount uh, of oxygen that can come from the Amazon rainforest in and of itself. But the interesting thing is that, you know, according to researchers, not one of those... Uh, drop of oxygen actually really effectively leave the Amazon rainforest for us to actually use. It makes a lot of it, but it also uses a lot of it, because there are many, many creatures that live in the Amazon rainforest, and even more so during the nighttime where there's no sunlight, the plants don't actually photosynthesize to produce uh, oxygen. It actually uses oxygen uh, to a certain uh, degree during the nighttime, all right? The rainforest does help us breathe, but not because of the uh, air that it produces, but rather, the uh, condensation that happens and the clouds that appear in the rainforest, on top of the rainforest in and of itself. Because the water that is being sucked up from the forest floor then condenses on the trees and on the leaves. Combine this with um, the sun and the wind, it turns into a mighty cloud cover or a river, as this um, documentary would put it, a flying river um, in the sky. And this particular cloud cover is so dense that it flows across South America until it goes about and hits a brick wall that is about 5,500 miles long and 4 miles high which is the mountainous range in the uh, Andes range itself and you know obviously when cloud cover goes um, and it condenses into water and then it flows back directly into the Amazon basin itself and on its way eroding rocks, eroding sediments and turning it into you know, sediments uh, while going through and all those nutrients are then eventually dumped into the ocean, in and of itself. And this is the interesting bit, waiting for those sediments is an extraordinary organism that is four times thinner than, uh, than the human hair, um, that is called the diatom. And according to the uh, researchers, that is actually the uh, secret to uh, the world's regulators of oxygen um, supply. So much so that if you take two breaths, one of those breaths is actually supplied by these tiny little guys um, that exist in the world today. You know, you won't see it uh, when you swim in the ocean or the sea, but from satellite images, um, you know, from space, it actually illuminates in a special colour color that covers a vast area all around the world. It is said, where there is ocean, there is these things called diatoms, right? Now, the interesting bit is when the uh, nutrients run out, right, the creatures would eventually die and they fall down to the ocean floor. And in certain parts of the world where, um, you know, they dig underneath the uh, ocean floor, they found that, you know, these things cover, you know, quite thick, uh, roughly about half a mile thick to a uh, a certain um, extent in certain parts uh, of the world. When the seabed rise and the ocean levels fall, the ocean floor then becomes a salty desert, the same desert that blows all the way from Africa to Amazon, the dust that makes the rainforest uh, grow, that is the fertiliser, and that is what the researchers deem as the dye atom. So, Brian and friends, to researchers today, right, this is but a speck of the ecosystem, the amazingness of the ecosystem that we live in here today. And this is something, you know, that they just pieced together probably a couple of decades ago. So it's a relatively recent uh, thing that, um, you know, they, they, they seem to think that this is how the world regulates its oxygen um, supply. And this is the world that we live in here today. You know, the designer itself has revealed himself in nature. And it is a fact that the Bible clearly substantiates. Because in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20 it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So we see here, you know, God himself has revealed himself. By the sheer virtue of the fact of the things that we see and in and around us, right? the design, the intricate design of the ecosystem that we live in here today, just breathing alone, breathing oxygen alone, 21% in the atmosphere itself. Too much, we burn. Too little, we choke to death. This points to a direction that there is someone who put all these things in place so that we can live here comfortably in this world um, today. And in Romans chapter 1 verse 20 it tells us it is invisible in a sense that you know we see all these things are happening around us but our mental faculty should point us that there is someone who actually designed all these things is it not because all these things just doesn't happen by chance chance cannot possibly put all these things together in such intricate and uh, amazing level if you would and we see this idea and you know, revolving in scripture itself because that intelligent designer according to scripture is God because in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4, it says, For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18, he says, For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did, not, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is no other. So we see here, you know, God would practically, um, seemingly screaming to us, through the world that we live around here, that he actually exists. There is such thing as a designer. Scripture tells us that that designer is God Himself, God who built all things, God who created all things. In this particular passage, Isaiah chapter forty-five, verse eight, verse eighteen, who formed it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited, that person is the Lord God. and there is no um, other one. It is telling us that you know there is an intelligent, masterful architect that exists, who is capable of creating and sustaining this complex world that we live in here today, not just planet Earth, the universe, and the vast expanse of the universe that we see um, and that we can tell from the Hubble telescope, um, you know, uh, images that come from that particular telescope in and of itself. It tells us that God is much greater, more powerful than any force that we can ever imagine or put uh, into uh, paper, so to speak. You know, however, as impressed as we may be by this, marvellous creation. You know, we cannot know the mind of God or what God expects us um, you know, as human beings, as a, as a race, right? By literally just observing a tree or by looking at nature in any form. You know, I cannot know whether God loves me. I cannot know whether there's heaven or hell. I, I, I cannot know what to do to be safe simply by looking at the ground beneath my feet. So then the question then becomes, if we see the world that we live here in and around us today, points us to one direction, that there is such thing as a designer. And that designer, an intelligent designer, is God. So the question then becomes, how can, can we come to know God by looking at the uh, nature that we live in here today? How can we come to know God is the next question that we want to ask. When one of the passages in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, verse 11 to verse 13, it says, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So there are three things that we can see from this particular passage itself. Number one, you know, man, mankind, that is me and you, um, on, on on our own, have no way to actually know what God wants us or expects us to be, right? In other words, you know, we cannot know God just by looking at the natural world that uh, is around us today or by searching within ourselves. We just cannot know because, um, you know, what will a man know except for the things which is in him or her? And the second point is that, you know, God, knowing this, has made known his mind or his will to us by the means of, the, of his spirit, the spirit revealed to man what mankind on our own, um, you know, never could have known. And the third thing would be, in this particular passage, the revelation of God is made possible by the Spirit's teaching. We come to know the mind of God not through the feeling that we have in our heart, not through a certain emotion that we might or might not feel, but through the spirit which teaches in the word. And those words, brethren and friends, can be found in the scriptures. In the Bible that we hold in the palm of our hands, if it's an electronic device, or the Bible that we hold, which is a physical copy that we have in front of us here today. Because 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to verse 17 says, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The scriptures here, Paul says, came by inspiration. In that passage itself, the word inspiration literally means God breathed. God breathed this word that we have here today. And because of it, we can come to know God through the word that we have in front of us today. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 to verse 21, it says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any Private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved um, by the Holy Spirit. So we see the scriptures that we have here today is not a product of uh, mankind's opinion. It's not a product of mankind's uh, interpretation, but it is the product that comes from God, him and of himself, that is delivered through the uh, Spirit, that is being written for us to know and come to know uh, God today. Therefore, we can clearly see that the Bible is not a product of man. In other words, you know, we can go to the Bible to learn the truth about the designer that we have here today, that is God. We can come to know him by reading the scriptures that is in front of us here today. So the last question we want to ask here today is this. What does the Bible then tell me and you about God? What does the Bible tell us about God um, here today? Now to answer this question, let us examine um, you know, the speech that is being made by Apostle Paul at a place called Marcio, right? Uh, Which is in Athens, in Greece. In the the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse uh, 22 to verse 31. Now, in that particular passage itself, in Acts, chapter 17, verse 22 to verse 31, we can see three things that is being revealed by Apostle Paul through the Spirit uh, at that particular point in time. In verse 22 to verse 25, it says, Then Paul stood in the midst of the Arapagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious, for as I was passing through the, uh, and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with man's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. So the first thing that we can see here, to, um, brethren and friends, in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 22 to verse 25, Apostle Paul tells us that there is such a thing as a creator, that there is such a thing as a designer, and that designer is God himself, that God is the creator of all things because he gives to all life, breath, and all things. God made the world and everything in it to suggest that this beautiful creation, highly complex universe that we live uh, here today, a product of mere chance, is truly you know, a fallacy and truly unthinkable. In Paul's day, right, uh, in Acts chapter 17, the belief that God, you know, exists is a well-known and well-established belief. But unfortunately, you know, mankind at that time uh, pointed uh, that particular belief to different type of objects. Rather than the one true God, they attribute it to something or someone else. And Apostle Paul, you know, tells us that, you know, there is only one God who created all things. And there is only one God who you know, we as humankind, our mankind, should not you know, worship ignorantly. And that's what we can see in verse 22 to verse 25. Going forward to verse 26 to verse 29, we find this. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And as also some of uh, your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. In verse 26 to verse 29, Apostle Paul tells us that God is not very far from each and every one of us. In other words, God is within reach of all. You know, those words from Apostle Paul are very comforting because it reveals to us a God that actually cares. A God that actually cares so much that, you know, um, about his creation, that he has set boundaries to, uh, you know, mankind. He has, been involved in, he has been involved in the affairs of men, um, you know, in the rise and fall of nations. Even, you know, when bad things that happen to us in this life can somehow serve as a purpose to remind us of one thing, and in this particular passage is to remind us to continually to seek after him. When he says, you know, um, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each um, one of us. And also, you know, the one and true living God, according to Apostle Paul, is not, you know, made uh, with uh, stones or gold or fashioned by men's devices or ideas he doesn't dwell in temples that is made by human hands. The one and true living um, God is spirit. He possesses a personality. The one true living God is concerned with the affairs of men and mankind itself. And going to verse 30 to verse 31, this is the expectation that, are, that the God of the Bible that we can read expects of mankind to produce. Truly, this time of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from um, the dead. So in these particular verses, it tells us that, you know, God wants us to find him in the previous verse. In this verse, in verse 30 to verse 31, God provides salvation to all in the sense that God will, will one day judge the world. Because he will one day judge the world, he has made a way for everyone to be able to come back to Him. He has made a way for everyone to be saved. Indeed, God wants everyone to be saved and therefore He has given all of us equal opportunity to be saved by the means of the resurrection of His Son, our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, when He says He has given assurance of this to all by raising Him uh, from the dead. You know, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 tells us the Lord is not slack. Concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but his long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come uh, to repentance. The Lord will forgive anyone who truly would repent and turn back to Him. God is not willing that any should perish. Right? He wants everyone to come uh, to Him via repentance. According to John chapter three, verse sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish. But have everlasting life. God loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son so that we can have the hope uh, of salvation. While God wants everyone to be saved, God also expects something in return. Just like in Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, He tells us, you know, all men everywhere to repent. Luke chapter 13, verse 3, um, in the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He says, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise uh, perish. So, brethren and friends, we see here today that the idea that we just, you know, happen to be here by mere probability or chance is something that is truly far-fetched. Because from the dawn of time through historical writings, every single thing that exists in this world exists not just by chance, but rather by design. Whether it be, you know, a human design or whatever design you want to say, but nevertheless, you know, the idea of design exists in this world today. And that designer, as uh, you know, shown through scriptures, points us that there is a God who designs all these things. Now, at the end of the day, the God of the Bible that we can read through the scriptures is not interested in explaining to us how exactly, you know, he put all of these things in place. Because if he were to you know, actually tell us um, you know, how he intricately create every single thing in this um, you know, universe, I don't think our minds can even comprehend a speck of God's understanding, a speck of God's uh, knowledge to that degree. Because even to today, after a you know, couple of hundred years of human enlightenment, if you would, or a couple of hundred years of human progress through technological advancement, even to today... There are so many changes to what you know, we think we understand 60, 80 years ago proved to be you know, incorrect and you know, accurately changed uh, throughout the years. But our God created this whole universe without any imperfection. The only imperfection that came is the disobedience of mankind and sin that entered into the world. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 tells us, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans chapter 6, verse 23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is um, salvation through, our, uh, through Christ Jesus our Savior. And it's because of sin that separates us from God, and death, both physically and spiritually, ensued. And what God did, he did not abandon us. Just like Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17 tells us, God is not far from each and every one of us. We just need to continually be able to have an open mind to be able to find him. And if we are sincerely, truly wanting to find him, we will definitely find him, as he would not want anyone to perish. He would want everyone to come back to repentance. And you know what? He designed a way that we can come back to him. And that is through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He gave his only begotten son to die on the cross to be sacrificed, for the body to be broken, for his blood to be shed, so that we can have the hope of salvation, eternal life, the crown of life if we are to be deemed obedient to him to death. That is our great God that is being revealed to us through scriptures. The design that he has put in place for the souls of men, and to God, that is more important than you know, wanting to know how he actually built this world that we live in here today. So, brethren and friends, you have not obeyed the gospel call. May I implore you to think about the things that's happening in your life. Think about the, um, the gift of God that you know, he has put in place. All we need to do is to believe in the gospel message of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To repent of our sin, confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And once you have done that, to remain faithful to him, to continue to improve our life as Christians, so that we can be the light of the world, salt of the earth, to be able to tell others, to be able to give others the opportunity to be able to respond if you have responded to the gospel call, so that they will not be forsaken in the end times. So when judgment will come, they will be able to join you hand in hand in the uh, gates of heaven that will be opened up for those who are deemed obedient to him to death. So if you have not obeyed the gospel call, would you not consider these things as we see our gracious and loving designer, God himself, putting all these things in place as we stand and sing the hymn of invitation, Hymn 552. Thanks for listening!